0: You're listening to The Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 39, Father Mike on Building a Better Relationship with Your Pastor. This week's episode is short and sweet, but it hits on a topic many of you have written to us about, collaborating with your pastor in a healthy and constructive way. We might all want to be saints, but the reality is that none of us are yet. And that means relationships with our pastors can sometimes feel rocky. As lay people who work in ministry, we wanted to get a priestly perspective on the topic and find out how we can do a better job communicating to, collaborating with, and serving our priests. Stay tuned.
1: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. It's an exciting day today at Ascension. We are in the middle of uh, the Ascension Summit. It's our first, and hopefully annual event we're going to be doing here at Ascension. It's kind of half retreat, half company meeting, people from all over the country that work for Ascension are all together in one place. It's awesome. Um, Father Mike is with us today. We just had mass with him and he's actually going to talk to us this afternoon about living in an overwhelmed world. And uh, we thought we would overwhelm him a little bit and ask him if we could get a few minutes of him on the air with us on the podcast. So it's myself, Tom McCabe, Father Mike Schmitz, all inside our brand new, what's called Whisper Room. It's the size of a well, a small coffin, really. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we're all here together today being chummy. Welcome, Father. Welcome,
0: Tom. Thank you very much. It's great to see you, Alan. Yeah, all in one place. And it's sort of like a, a space capsule in here. You know, I feel like, Houston, we've got a problem.
2: Here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except the problem is, it's so much awesome. It's yes. so much awesome. so much awesome. Hard to contain it it is, but we're doing our best. We
1: are. You know, we struggle. Sacrifice for the the team. Yeah. That's it. So we talk a lot about, um, church ministry and working in ministry. And some of the struggles we hear are people that have trouble relating to their pastor or getting their pastor's support or wondering what their pastor does all day long and, and that kind of thing. And so we want to talk today. And from that, from the other, from the we want to talk today from the pastor's perspective and see what it's like from the pastor's point of view, working in a parish, all the different hats that he has to wear and the things that he does. So um, we can try and figure out together how we can work together and support our
0: pastors better. So here's a question for you, Padre. Again, uh, we've all worked in parishes uh, with pastors, but we don't often see it from your perspective. So, like, what 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 is the like the, the big burden or the or what what consumes the pastor's mind probably more than anything else that we're all not really aware
2: of? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think that it all depends on who the person is, right? If they're living on mission, um, and that's that's the question is uh, is the priest is the pastor living on mission? Not just like showing up uh, to the parish on mission, although that's important too. But I think there's a a critical question that I need to be confident, or you know, any uh, employee of the parish or any volunteer of the parish needs to be confident and be able to a- answer in that do i believe my pastor is living on mission um and because the the consuming question of a pastor living on mission is is my staff living on mission and are my are my people being called to live on mission and that that's really i think what it comes down to and so um because if that's not there then the first thing that goes is trust and so that goes both ways right so if, if if here's a here's a an employee of the parish the jury, the secretary does not matter the youth minister if they think like i don't know if my pastor is living on mission um the first thing that will go is, well, he says, like, you guys, we need to do this. He has a vision for something. But you're like, you know what? I don't know. I trust you. I don't know if I trust your vision because I don't think you're living on mission. And the same thing goes the opposite way. The pastor, if he if he's, he has employees who are showing up or, or people that he, with whom he does mission, but he's like, I don't, I don't know if they um, love Christ. I don't know if they are really w- desiring to spread Jesus to the world. Then there's that sense of that, again, lack of trust. Um, and I think that if there's anything that can erode relationships, where, wherever it is, you know, in, in families, but also in parishes, is going to be a lack of trust. And so the, one of the first questions that I need to know as a, as a pastor or as the person in charge is, um, can I trust these people? Because if I can, then that means they're people of goodwill. And I know we might have disagreements. We might have some challenges. We might have, um, you know, whatever kind of conflicts that, that arise. But if we can trust each other, then we can resolve this. But if, they're, if I wouldn't say, I don't know if they're a person of goodwill or I don't know if they're a person living on mission, then like, I don't know if I can entrust what they're, what they're saying. That's, what, that's exactly what the first question I would uh, need to address.
0: So I heard two things, Father. Trust, trust makes sense. Can I trust this person and do they trust me? Mm-hmm. But how do I know if the pastor is on mission? Uh, how, do I, how does he know that I'm on,
2: on yeah. mission? Yeah a lot of times at least the way <laughs> the way I live uh where I live on on a college campus it's um well Alan's been there and he's he's seen that like the Newman Center is my literally my house so I have a little apartment kind of above that space and students are there all of the time and so people say like oh you know so many people live in a fishbowl like I know I, I would say <laughs> literally I live in it but it's not literally there's no fish um <laughs> it, it is a virtual fishbowl and so they're but they to a great degree the students to whom I uh, to my serve, who I serve um, and the people with whom I work, they can see, they can see like, uh, when am I getting up? They can see when I'm going to sleep. They can see, look over my fridge and say, oh, there's more beer here than there is food. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of, a, there, there's that very clear, um, it seems like our our father, it seems like our pastor, it seems like our priest is living on mission. He prays, we can see him pray because he prays with us. And so I think that when it comes to as a staff is just, you have a sense. And I think that's one of the things is that's untalked about because you want to respect the priest. You want to say, no, he really, you know, he has his ups and downs. He has his strengths, his weaknesses. That's always going to be true. But in those strengths and weaknesses, in those ups and downs, um, is this a person of goodwill who's living? I have the sense that he's living on mission. Now, not to say that I'm a good, always a good judge of that. I want to be as you know flexible with that. But at the same time, I have to be honest with that. And I think similarly, it goes for the pastor to be able to say, OK, does it seem like this person is living on mission? I can't know that unless I know them. Um, so how does a priest do that? Um. How does a pastor know the people who are serving the parish um, with whom he's working, that they're living a mission? I think we, there's a couple different ways to try to do this. I think sometimes we say, okay, you're the youth minister. Well, I need to see you in the office from you know 9, a, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., which doesn't make any sense. If your job is to be in relationship with youth and with your core, then— Like, well, you're not supposed to be in the office, but I need to know that you're actually working rather than just kind of taking this time. So one of the things we do is we have – we stole it from the Fellowship of Catholic University students. It's called the 50-point week. And so what we've done is we've just crafted this. So um, part of your – based on the job description. One of the best ways to erode trust is to give someone a job description and then break it all constantly, right? As we probably mm-hmm. know that in parishes. Um like, yeah, here's your job, but now I'm going to add 12 more things to you. <laughs> Just but no, it's okay because I know that you're a person of goodwill and you're going to take it on. Um so, based on the job description to assign a point value to um what your daily or weekly tasks are. That way, uh, part of it is administrative and part of that is managerial. And part of that is communicating with people through text, email, phone calls. Um, and part of that is meeting with people. We assign a point value to all those things. And at the end of the week, so, so, so it would add up to 40 or 50 points um, in a normal like 40 hour work week um, to be able to say, if you got all those things done in this week, that was a great week because you did exactly what we we're expecting you to do. Um, and I don't have to see you do it. I can see the result of it. And especially when it comes to relationships, the fruit of that comes takes so long to be become evident that it's like okay, but are you doing this now? I am. i met with this this person and this person. I did. I handed in the receipts and I handed in the you know the expense report kind of things. I made the phone calls and I got out the email just in time or whatever. Um, great, you did it. You didn't have to be here. I like it when you're. You know, do you know I'm saying? And so one of the ways that um we try to measure that to be able to say are they doing working the mission is have that fifty point week. And uh, it constantly has to be updated because of the fact that when I say updated, I mean, it has to be constrained because, um, as we know, our jobs continually evolve when you're working in a parish and you, oh, there's one more thing coming along. Coming along. You know, sometimes that happens where it's just it's a normal part of uh, the season. So the summertime, we're going to have this mission trip. Or we're going to have this camp we go to. And so it is actually going to take more hours. Um, so then the following week, is there any time off? You know, so some of those kinds of. Questions. I that, that would be the most important thing. I think is are they working on mission? How do you monitor that? And if you don't have any, and don't have anything in place to monitor that, then I mean, how in the world are you going to be able to measure whether someone's doing the job in the first place? So I think that's important. So in a lot of
1: uh, parishes, we don't see the pastor very often unless it's at mass or in a, in a staff meeting or something. Because a lot of things they do as well are, are off campus, whether it be. Right. A funeral, or making a hospital visit, or a home visit, or counseling—I mean, tons of tons of things that we see them um, don't see them do that are part of their um, daily activities. So, how can we help the pastor if we think our pastor's not necessarily living on mission? How do we how do we help him do that? Or how do we even approach that situation without, um, gosh, making sounding like we're judging, The confrontational? Yeah, kind of confrontational. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. This is an intervention. You need to. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I think I, you know, I really do think that at some level. There's got to be some accountability. And so there's, the, as you probably would, I mean, you would imagine in any other context, um, to whom is the pastor accountable? Well, he's accountable to the bishop, right? Of course, and to the people in some ways and to the staff in in, in some ways. And so it kind of, you have to be a, how do you do this in a non-toxic way, right? How do you actually challenge or how do you have the, the even the question in a, in a way that comes up in a natural way, but also comes up in a non-accusatory way. Um, at the same time, I mean, think of, some of the terrible things that have happened in the history of the church that were a result of people who are like, well, it's not my place to ask about this thing. But I would say if you're a staff person um, and you see something, say, I mean, see, go to the airport. If you see something, say something that sense of, <laughs> and that could simply be, um, father, I, are you okay? Because we haven't seen you very often here. You no, know, I'll have, I'll have students do this to me, but they'll do it a different way. It, I remember was a student last year, I'm going to share this with you, Alan, before I'm not sure if I told you, Tom, but, um, a student last year uh, asked me. She said, "Father, um, are you thinking that maybe it's time for you to get <laughs> off campus and get you know your bit, the bit for Bishop to assign you something else?" I'm like, uh, "Why would? He, what, do you, what do you mean?" And She said, "Well, you know, just with all the other stuff you're doing, you're traveling so much that maybe you just don't, don't have time to be our dad." You know, and I was like, "Oh, oh dagger oh my in the gosh, heart! <laughs> wow!" Like I just and she didn't wasn't accusatory. She was just speaking from her experience and her heart. And, of course, at this point, I'm like, I've said no to everything this year <laughs> because I want to be with you guys. I want to spend time. But I was like, no, that makes sense because but she felt free. Why? Because there was a the respect. And this and this is a student, right? This is someone 22 years old who in, here I am is as, as the only like basically father figure of this whole place. But she felt comfortable enough to say um, is something. I mean, is it is it time? You know, are, are, are you really here for us? And that was good for me because then it made me double down on not only do I need to be here and say no to a lot of the invitations to go away, um, like coming here to Philadelphia, <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I want to make it known that I'm I'm saying no for you guys. And and again, it was wasn't something that was offensive. It hurt, but I needed it right. And I think that a lot of times when it comes to our pastors, there's ways to bring that up without having it be what's wrong with you? Are you doing your your work? Right, it, right. That was that was what I my heart heard from that was. Uh, we're your kids, and we really care about you. And are you here for us?
1: Like, oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, my kids say um, occasionally they'll say like, "Dad, don't you don't you want to don't you want to play with us? Don't you want to play with me?" Yeah. And it's like. Oh, I feel so terrible right now. Of course I do. You know, you can be, whatever I'm doing, it's like stop no matter how important it is. Like, yeah, I'll I'll play matchbox cars.
2: And and some of those conversations are obviously going to be harder than others because she was saying, are you you present to us? Are you here? And there's some more egregious things, of course, but I think you'd want to say... Again, if I am convinced that my pastor is someone of goodwill, and if I, as as the priest, am convinced that people I'm working with or working uh, amongst are uh, people of goodwill, then we should be able to ask these questions. We we should be able to bring them up. Um, Another thing, if you don't mind uh, me kind of going on, I heard uh, Patrick Lencioni, he was giving a a presentation on um, having honest and straightforward conversations with your pastor. And one of the examples he gave was, um, here's a group of people meeting around uh, the table, and someone says, "Well, you know, we should have uh, screens to project the lyrics for songs up on, you know, for mass." And someone says, "Oh, you know, Father doesn't like screens in church, you know." And so, okay, well, never mind. And he said, "Well, that might be true, but you know, you can you can actually ask him about that, or you can even challenge and say, Father, I know you say you don't like screens, but would you be willing to compromise? Like, could we could we try it out for you know four weeks? Um, would you be willing to do that? And, like, to experience some kind of pushback? He's not a king, right? He's not." Right. And hopefully it isn't autocratic when it comes to the stuff. I mean, especially the way I've been raised in the church has been, OK, you're here to collaborate like you're here. Yep. You're responsible. You're the pastor. You're the father here. Um, at the same time, in your moments of honesty with yourself, you know that you don't know everything. So why, when you're talking with your parishioners or talking with your staff, do you have to pretend like you know everything or pretend like your answer or like your you know say so means it's over? I mean, think about it in a normal family. Is that always the case? Sometimes, maybe, but not really. And so if this is going to, truly going to be the family of God, if we're actually going to work together, Father, your role is very clear and it's important. Um, but, and I think maybe that first conversation is, do we have permission before that's the tense moment, right? Before there's that moment of like, I disagree with you. Is that, you know, in some of these meetings, you might even notice this, like he's a steamroller. Like, do we have permission to disagree with you? And just ask, ask, just that, ask question. that question. ask that question. Yeah. And I think that there, there's a place there where it's just, what would it disagree with me about disagree with me about what? Well, I just mean in general, if we're having a staff meeting, for example, you said such and such last week um, about that. You you thought such and such a movie was was terrible and, and dumb. And I really like that movie. Do we do we have permission to kind of like say, well, on the other hand, because if that's if that's not the case, I mean, because, but how many times does that happen? Where? Well, yeah, Father weighed in on he thinks, you know, whatever movie is dumb. So we can't challenge that if that's the case when it comes to just well, whatever. How is that going to be any different when it comes to the direction of the parish and my job or my role um, with the youth ministry or with the adult ministry or whatever ministry it is?
0: Well, I have so many thoughts that are going through my head, Father. But what's striking me, and I know we've got just a couple of minutes left, that um, you're really talking about relationship more than anything. Yeah. Fostering, cultivating a relationship with the pastor. Long term, because I was thinking, well, you know, I, the pastor needs to be affirmed just like everybody else does. If I'm going to criticize them, I'll use the three affirmation rule. Make sure you're right. affirming three right. times. But that's like a science; that's very mechanical. What you really are talking about is, okay, this is where we want to be headed. Is he does he have a sense of mission? Uh, you know, and I got that building that trusting relationship. But the biggest thing that anybody on staff could do is cultivate a lasting, meaningful relationship with the pastor. Yeah. And that you can build on.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, and that's and that's that's not um, it's not bureaucratic. It's not business. It's efficient and effective. I mean, ultimately, it's also messy. And it's all. I mean, you can. Cause, and you can also say, what about if I'm in a parish where the pastor doesn't want to have a relationship with me? And was, I've i spoken with uh, actually just recently. Talk with I spoke with two people who work for a pastor, and they said, yeah, he doesn't want to have a relationship with us. And I said, well, clarification. Does he not want to have a relationship with you or does he not want to have the relationship you want to have?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and ultimately was that, oh, yeah, he, he doesn't want to have a relationship with us the way we want with him because they wanted to have just real close, personal kind of like where were they where he reveals stuff to them and they reveal stuff to him and can lean on him and stuff. And he's like, no, no, no I, I will. He, he had he had walls up because he's just like this is kind of how I operate. And so there's that sense of like, but in a real way, you can still have a real relationship. And and kind of going along that lines, I think this would be helpful for people who are listening to this podcast. Is um, for for this 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 pair, um, they were talking about. They came to me because they were saying we work for this pastor, and and he's great. We like, really respect him. He's so faithful. So they were saying they respect him and trust him, but they're saying but but um you know we're so overworked. And we'll try to say, you know, Father, we are so overworked that we can't do this thing. Or, or you're really strong in this area, but you know what, our, what the people in this parish need is they need something else. Um, but he'll come into their office, and he'll sit down and listen to them. And by the time he leaves, they're on board with his his pitch again, with his program again. And they're like, we're so exhausted, we're going have to leave. And I was like, okay, wait, here's what's happening, <laughs> is he thinks he's fixing it. Because he comes in, and you're exhausted, and you're tired, and he's doing, making you do all these things, and he listens to you. And he and he talks you up and he encourages you. And by the time he leaves, he thinks he's fixed the problem because you're back on board. <laughs> and you're saying, OK, Father, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, you know, and like, OK, so the problem could be him. Also, the problem is you because you know that you can't do more. He thinks he's helping you by listening and fixing. And yet at the same time, you're letting him like basically say, I'm not going to take your no for an answer, in which case you're just allowing the status quo to go on. And so that sense of like being able to say, I get to say no. Now that's the thing is, am I, I need to clarify that before going in those kind of conversations. Like, do I, do we actually have the ability to say no here or, um, or is it just going to be whatever you want? And if he says, oh my gosh, because I think if any person with a heart would say, oh no, 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 of course, of course you can, you can challenge me. Of course you can say no. Um, but if I say no, as a staff person, I need to be, Willing to kind of stand there with that no and say, actually, this is a limit. I, I don't think I can do this. Or can we negotiate, but not just you listen to me, fix my problem by encouraging me. And then now I keep doing what you've been asking yeah. me to do. It's killing me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. So one last question. This is from my wife. She was um asking last night about your schedule and and it applies, I think, to pastors who have a lot on their plate. Um how do you say no to some things? Because it's not like you have choosing between things that are good, things that are bad. It's like a lot of good things. And I know you said one time that you say no to like 99% of the things that yeah. get asked of you. So how do you, how do you say no?
2: To yeah. things graciously. <laughs> I'd love to help out, but I'm really sorry that I can't. And typically I say no with the, because I know what my schedule is and I know what's most important. And I have a Bishop that I'm responsible to and, uh, a parish I essentially that I'm responsible for. And if anything is going to take away from that in a way that's like, actually, this is too much. I can't. Um, cause that, so if a person has a clear sense of what their purpose is, what their primary objective is, cause if not, then it's like, yeah, I can't say no to all these things. They're all good. They're all good, but they're not all necessi- necessary. They're all good, but they're not all required. And so if I have a very clear sense of the most important, then everything else that's less important, it's easy. Now, Super easy no. Um, If I have a sense of my calendar, I need to be here on campus for these students, then it's a really easy no. I mean, even people will say, just, can you just quick film a video and send it to my, you know, fourth grade class? I'm like, I'd love to be able to do that, but I'm sorry. Uh, Sometimes I can, because I'm just like, oh gosh, here's a 30 second birthday greeting. No problem. Like I can totally, I'd love to do that. But sometimes at this point, I know that I can't. And so when you have a very clear sense of what you can do, what you need to do, it's really easy to say no to what you ought not to do.
1: So there you go. Right from Father Mike. (laughs) Just say no. Just say no. Graciously. All right, guys, we got to run. He's got a busy schedule ahead of him this afternoon. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Tom, for uh, squeezing in the booth with me today. Um, We love you guys out there. You're doing good work. Keep doing it, and we'll see you next time. Peace.